Well, Father, we just thank you for another opportunity to hear from you. We thank you for all of the good things that are in us in Christ Jesus. We thank you for what Jesus has accomplished. And we thank you that tonight you have something specific that you want to communicate to each and every listener, Father. You have words of encouragement. You have words of direction. You have specific answers to the questions that have been on people's hearts. And so I just yield. I yield to just the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I thank you that every listener's eyes are enlightened, Father. You've enlightened the eyes of their understanding so that they know the hope of their calling. I thank you, Father, that they are growing up to the fullness of the stature of Christ. I thank you that they are learning to uh, live out of who they are in Christ. And I thank you that you've connected them to uh, today's teaching, Lord, for a specific reason. And so I just, I just uh, release your purpose. I release your agenda over this podcast tonight and uh, just give you glory and yield completely to you and what you are doing through this teaching in Jesus name. Amen. Well, it's uh, February, second month of the year, and we are full-blown into 2019 now. And is, if you've been listening to the podcasts that I've been doing so far this year, you know I've been really majoring on uh, just the prophetic word that God gave me coming into 2019. And it was really around, I, you know, I'm not going to read the whole thing again uh, tonight, but, uh, cause I've been reading it the last several podcasts, but I am going to highlight one of the really kind of the main point of the prophetic word. And, uh, here's what he says. He says, um, if you want to know what those connected to you need to know coming into this year in order for this year to be the best year they've ever lived, tell them this. Listen to my voice, make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. Again, I'm going to say, listen to my voice, make knowing me, living out of your true identity, and learning to abide in union with me your number one priority this year. And so last week I talked about, um, you know, I kind of switched the title. We're in a new series now called Abiding in the Vine. But I'm really majoring still on this concept of what I really feel like the Lord was speaking coming into this year, that, you know, it's one thing to theoretically know your true identity, to know who you are in Christ. But it's another thing to really live out of that as a way of life. And it's another thing to recognize that the gospel is a message about not just us becoming a new creation in the sense that we are, you know, God's children now, we've been born again, we are righteous, 
uh, in, you know, and that we are holy because of who we are in Christ. But it's this concept that all of this makes sense. Our new identity only makes sense, really, within the context of union with God. And obviously, if you listen to me teach more than five minutes on any given podcast, you're gonna, we're going to end up probably somewhere talking about our union with God. Uh, but it's such an important topic because the reality of it is, is that most of us, as a way of life, as a way of being day in and day out, if we're really honest with ourselves, it's not a very high percentage of the time. If we took all of our time, you know, 24 hours in a day, you know, I always ask the question, I mean, what percentage that you're awake? <laughs> are you, are you aware of your union with God? Are you aware of your real identity? Is, has, has living out of union with Jesus become a habit? Meaning it's not something that you, you know, you're just consciously aware that this is who you are all the time. And the reality of it is, is that for most of us, that's just not our perception on, a, on an ongoing basis. And so what that means is that we're living out of, uh, I'm just going to say it bluntly, a lie-based identity. We're living out of an identity that is based upon who we've experienced ourselves to be over the course of our lives. We're living out of an identity that really is just a memory of who we think we are. And the problem with that is like, there's a bazillion problems with that, but I think the biggest problem with that is that we end up living as mere human beings. We end up living natural lives. We end up going through our everyday experiences, experiencing circumstances and problems and situations really in the same way that people that don't know Jesus experience life. And when we are faced with something where we need a miracle, whether that's praying for someone who's in, you know, it, it, it facing an illness or whether that's a financial miracle or where that, whether that's just you need a wisdom about a particular business decision. I mean, we, we, we approach problems and problem solving from a place of separation with God. And what, what, why is that a problem, Shalise? Why is that a problem? Because ultimately at the foundation of all of it, at all of it, what it ends up, what it ends up meaning when you kind of sift through all of it is that we're lacking something. When we are separated from God, even if we sense that we are new creations, meaning like we're little Christ, the word Christian means little Christ. Even if you, you know, cause a lot of times we'll learn the gospel and we'll learn about our identity in Christ. And I know even, I think it was last podcast. I was, I was kind of going through this like sheet that I have. That's a, it's a, uh, you know, I use it in Emerge. I've used it over the years. It's like, you know, who I am in Christ. It's like a an identity, a piece of, it's like a one-page document that has like all these scriptures that tell you who you are in Christ. You know, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Uh, I am complete in him, right? By his stripes, I am healed. Uh, let me just think of some other ones, right? He was made to be rich. I mean, I'm sorry. He was, he was, though he was rich, he was made to be poor, that through his poverty, I might be made rich, right? So there's scripture after scripture on this one page document that, you know, just outlines who you are in Christ. And it's awesome. I mean, it's just straight up the scripture about who we are in Christ. And I also talk about a lot that, 
if you go through the New Covenant, if you go through the New Testament and you look at all of the in Christ language, I mean the through Christ, in Christ, by Christ phrasing, that it's mentioned over 250 times. So it is the theme. It is really the theme of the New, New Testament. But when we read this one-page document and we read through the Bible, it's like something just doesn't click. It just doesn't click for whatever reason that the point here is in Christ. And so somehow, even when we read the one-page document and we read straight scriptures about who we are in Christ, it's like we apply them to ourselves apart from Christ. Like, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Well, I'm righteous. I'm righteous. But I'm somehow still righteous apart from Christ. Like, it, it's, it's super confusing, and I'm not sure why it filters through our minds this way. But it's a real, like, click. It's a real aha moment. It's a real light bulb moment when you start to recognize that, wait a second, the point here is being in Christ. And that abiding in the vine means that we are abiding in Christ. And bringing it back to my previous point, that until we get that, that aha moment, until we really have that real understanding of the in Christ portion of our identity, which is really the whole part of our identity, we, we come from a place, we approach God, we approach circumstances, we approach situations from a place of lack. And I'm going to go into Ephesians tonight. I'm going to, I'm going to first, I'm going to just go on a journey here. So I'm going to first go into John um, because I want to read the scripture that talks about abiding in the vine. Uh, But I want to go into Ephesians tonight to talk about that you lack nothing, that in Christ, everything that is Christ, everything that is Jesus, everything that heaven contains, everything that Jesus finished on the, on the cross, the victory of the cross, the, the inheritance of what it means to be a joint heir with Jesus. This inheritance is heaven. This is, this inheritance is to be the heir of the world. This is, you are in Christ. You are living inside of the King of Kings. You are seated in heavenly places and you lack nothing. Now that may, I know just saying it this way, I'm going to build a case around this, this precept tonight that I I think is really going to bless you. But, but there is a, uh, this solves (laughs) what I'm going to be sharing tonight is a completely different perspective that solves every problem. It solves every problem. Now, granted, as I talk through it tonight, I, I, you know, there, we really do only have, I guess, one thing we're doing then. If we, if we lack nothing, then, then what are we doing as believers? And the problem becomes manifesting what we already have. It becomes bringing into the material realm what is already true in the invisible realm. And I I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but that's where I'm taking us tonight. So we're going to start in John 15. And I brought, I brought my actual passion books tonight, the passion translation books tonight, just because, I don't know, I just felt like reading a book instead of reading my phone or my iPad. But we're going to start in verse one in John 15. I really love the passion translation. Because of its verbiage around union, 
it's one of the, the, I feel like, the most accurate translations when it comes to the message of the gospel it, from a union perspective. And, and so we'll start in verse 1 here in John 15. It says, I am a true sprouting vine. This is Jesus talking. And the farmer who tends to the vine is my father. He cares for the branches connected to me by lifting and propping up the fruitful branches and pruning every fruitful branch to yield a greater harvest. The words I've spoken over you have already cleansed you. So you must remain in life union with me, for I remain in life union with you. For as a branch severed from the vine, oops, I just closed my book here. (laughs) Let me get it again. Cannot bear fruit. So your life will be fruitless unless you live your life intimately joined to mine. I am the sprouting vine and you are my branches. As you live in union with me as your source, fruitfulness will stream from within you. But when you live separated from me, you are powerless. So I'll stop there. Um, That was through verse 5. Because this is really talking about the same, you know, concept that the father was talking to us about coming into 2019. He's talking about a way of life. He's talking about abiding in the vine with the father as your source, as your source. And he says here that, you know, fruitfulness will stream from within you when you are living and abiding in Christ. And this fruitfulness, by the way, is the fruitfulness that comes. It's the fruitfulness of eternal life. This is the tree of life. Jesus is the tree of life. This is the fruitfulness of heaven. This is the fruit of the spirit. This is the fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. This is the fruit of the kingdom of God, of heaven on earth. And that is the fruit. And the fruit represents the manifestation. It represents that when we abide in Jesus, we should have the manifestation of heaven on earth flowing through our lives. We are not the source of heaven on earth. We are simply the branch. We are simply the vessel. We are simply the conduit through which the Spirit of God manifests what Jesus Christ has already accomplished on the cross. And so this is not about getting something from God. This is about... about um, recognizing that we already have something from God and that as we recognize what we have, guess what? We have what we recognize. I mean, this is a, this is a kingdom principle that sometimes gets overlooked, but think about it. You know what? You experience salvation when you recognize that salvation had been provided for you, that salvation is available right now for you. You just said, okay, Great. Salvation. I'm, I'm, I'm that. I'm saved. Just saying, Jesus is my Lord. I'm saved. Guess what? You just, you just manifested salvation in your life. And the manifestation of anything that Jesus defeated on, uh, anything that Jesus, um, has provided for us through the cross comes the very same way. It's so simple. We miss it. And the way that we primarily miss it is because we still think God's got to do something for us to get it. And um, when honestly, he's already done it. And at this point, it's simply about abiding. It's simply about connecting to our, who we are and what's been provided 
and receiving it. Just and that even receiving it sometimes sounds like something that we do separate. Guess what? The, the branch isn't thinking about receiving the sap. It's not linking, oh, I got to get the sap from the trunk. I got to suck the sap out of the trunk. Oh, I'm, am I receiving the sap? No. The tree, the tree is one thing. The sap and the tree and the branch, and it's just one thing. It's one thing. And um, sometimes we try to make things too mechanical. So let me um, go to verse chapter 1 here in Ephesians. I've been reading this all the time. I, I, I know I've been talking about it in the podcast, but I've also been just, I've had a several times to teach on it in different settings lately, and I uh, really am excited about it. I love this scripture so much. It says, and uh, we're going to read in Ephesians 1, verse 3. It says, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly father, the father of our Lord Jesus, all because he sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate him with all of our hearts. In verse 4 it says, And he chose us to be his very own, joining us to himself even before he laid the foundation of the universe. Because of this great love, he ordained us as one with Christ from the beginning so that we would be seen as holy in his eyes with an unstained innocence. Now, it's kind of interesting here because... You know, to really get the brevity of what this is saying, I mean, there's so much this is saying. I mean, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Like, what? We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. Like, I feel like we just need to, I feel like some people, we just need to, med- we need to meditate on this. Like, we are not, and I'm just going to say this really bluntly in the only way that I know how to say it, because it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's terrible theology, but the large majority of us suffer under it in some way, shape, or form. And it it sounds, we don't say it this directly, but let's say that we're going to pray for anything. We're going to pray for someone to be healed, or we're going to pray for a financial provision or a breakthrough, or we're going to pray even for wisdom. You know, it's like we think that God has to do something to answer our prayer. Like God's going to get up off the throne. Like this is kind of the way we think. And we don't say it this way, but this is kind of a visual of it, right? So we're going to pray for Sally to get healing. So, Father, we pray that you would come and heal Sally. And so in, in, I guess in our minds what we visualize is that the Father or Jesus, or they're one, so Father Jesus is going to get up off of his throne. He's going to come down from heaven, and he's going to touch Sister Sally. And Sister Sally is going to be touched by God and be healed. And so we kind of feel like that's the way healing works, right? And we think, okay, I mean, let's talk about finances. Father, we, I need, you know, $500 to pay this bill. So Father's going to do something, you know, and get off of his throne again. And he's going to go do something, you know, and, and cause that to manifest in your bank account some way. But I really want to change the paradigm of how you think prayer works and how you, how abiding in the vine causes the fruit of heaven to manifest in your life. What if, I'm just going to throw this out here, but what if, what if God has done everything he's ever going to do about healing anyone? 
What if God has done everything he's ever going to do, meaning he's already provided it. He's already provided everything. He's provided salvation, enough salvation for every person that is ever going to be born. What if he's provided enough provision, enough finances, enough money to finance anything that is ever going to need to be financed? When Jesus became the curse on the cross, he absorbed the legal right for the things that entered the earth through Adam to exist on this planet. He undid the curse. He became the curse. But you're like, Shalise, the curse is everywhere. I get that the curse is visibly still present. But I also know that it is illegally present because of what Jesus Christ has accomplished. Now, I know I'm, I'm, I'm going out here today. But I'm going to go back to Ephesians, and it says that we have been blessed, in another translation, with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. Here it says every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm has been lavished upon us as a love gift. You're like, well, where is my lavishness? Where is heaven's lavishness in my life? Where is divine health? Where is wealth? Where is heaven in my, in my life? And I'm going to tell you that heaven is in you. It's the sap. But it's in you because guess what? Christ, God himself is in you. And just not in you, Christ, you are in Christ. You are in the heavenly realm right now. You are not just seated in wherever you happen to be sitting right now. You are not just seated in your car listening to this or seated in a chair here. You are seated in Christ. You are seated in heavenly places. There is an invisible heaven, an invisible reality that is surrounding you and immersed inside of you. It is in you. It is dimensionally covering you and totally inside of you. And when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, he meant it. He meant it is actually finished. Well, Shalise, what about, what about the healing? And what about the fight? What about, I don't have it. I mean, you're saying I have it, but I don't have it. And when I pray, sometimes I get it. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes Sometimes Sally gets healed. Sometimes Sally doesn't. Sometimes this person gets it. Sometimes they, I don't get this. Well, let's think about what we're saying alternatively. Now, again, we're not saying it this bluntly, but this is, this is the kind of theology that comes out of not knowing what God's going to do. Like you never know what God's going to do. He's mysterious and all, you know, he's mysterious in all of his ways. Well, no, he's not. He says that we've been given the keys of the kingdom. We've been given keys to the mystery of the kingdom. The apostle Paul said, this is the mystery, Christ in you. You want to know the mystery? The mystery is Christ in you. And it's been revealed through Jesus Christ. 
the, the, the will of God has been revealed through the word of God. He's not mysterious. You know what his will is? Heaven on earth. And he's accomplished it. Now, granted, it's not the, the physical manifestation of heaven on earth 24-7 right now that will come, you know, upon the, the, the return of Jesus to the earth. But it is the invasion of heaven on earth right now. And Jesus' ministry was all about demonstrating how the kingdom of heaven manifests. And you know how the kingdom of heaven manifests? Through a son of God living in union with the father, abiding in the vine, and commanding heaven to manifest. Spoke to fig trees, spoke to storms, spoke to fevers, spoke to body parts, laid hands on people. Sometimes, just his very presence, heaven was there. Sometimes people just touched him. The woman with the issue of blood just came up and touched Jesus' garment. Next thing you know, she was healed. Heaven was accessible because Jesus was accessible. Heaven is here. Heaven is now. And so we are not, we are coming from a victory. We are coming from a place of being already provided for. So I tell people we are resisting at this point the illusion of lack. We are resisting circumstances. We are resisting anything that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. In other words, we are resisting the temptation to believe that Jesus didn't finish it. And so when we have symptoms of sickness in our body or in our presence in someone else, we are commanding the victory of Jesus to manifest. We are literally focused on what Jesus has accomplished. We're not asking anybody. We're asking, it's like trying to ask God to do something he's already done. It's like, give me this. And he's like, I already gave it to you. Give this to me. I already gave it to you. Give this to me. I already gave it to you. Give this to me. I already gave it to you. Well, how can he give you something you already have? He's saying, believe you already have it. Believe you already have it and you'll see it. You'll have it. Mark eleven twenty four 24 says, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you've received them and you will have them. The issue is we think we don't have it. We think we're waiting on God to give it. And he's saying, I gave it. I gave myself. I gave my body. I became poverty. I became sin. I became the curse. I became sickness. I became disease. I became the very thing that is, yes, manifesting in your life right now illegally. And it's illegally manifesting because I became it. And so this, it, you, you recognizing this puts you in a completely different relationship with whatever you're going through. You recognize that what you're experiencing is very real, but it's also very illegal. And it's illegal because Jesus has denied its legal right to exist. And here's the thing too, because we are not abiding in the vine and we're not abiding in this place where we are one with God, 
we we don't think of ourselves as the Jesus in situations. We don't think that Jesus is in me in this situation. So a lot of times when we pray for situations or we pray for circumstances or, you know, for someone to be healed or something, again, we're not looking for the power that is in us. The same spirit that raised up Jesus from the dead, by the way, the temple of the Holy Spirit is not a, it's not just like a cliche. I mean, it is literally, you are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the very Holy Spirit that manifested light in the beginning, the very Holy Spirit that raised him up from the dead. But here's a lot of times what we think, well, who am I? Who am I to, it almost feels prideful because we haven't assimilated into this place where we really recognize we are actually one. And all that's left is the fruit. All that's left is this connection in a place where we just, we've lost self-consciousness. Or we are no longer conscious, conscious of a, of a, of a self apart from Christ. We literally are just, we're put on Christ. We've, we've taken off the old man and we've put on this new man. And there is, there is the old man was crucified. There is no more old man. There's no more old you. There's no one uh, that exists apart from you. And then living out of that place, it's, it's truthfully believing. It's believing the gospel. <laughs> it's believing that you and Jesus Christ are one. And through your union with Jesus Christ, just like Jesus, you and the Father are one. And from that place, by the way, now we have the power. We have the power that manifests heaven on earth. We have the mind of Christ. We have the gifts of the Holy Spirit at our disposal. We have words of knowledge. We have prophetic words. We have words of wisdom. We have the ability to pray in tongues and interpret tongues. We have, we have a supernatural disposition. We are connected to the solution because we have ceased to exist apart from the solution. I mean, truthfully, this is a, you know, I was reading just this week about contemplative prayer and, and trances and really being filled with the Holy Spirit, just being filled to the Holy Spirit. I mean, to the point that you're, let me tell you the point, you're out of your mind. And you know what? Getting out of your mind is the best thing that can happen because then guess whose mind you're in? The mind of God. And you know, the mind of God, whew. You know, it looks like foolishness to the natural mind. You know, march around the, match around the walls. Joshua, blow some instruments. And the frequency of the instruments and the, the sound is going to literally demolish these walls. I mean, the Bible is full of ridiculous strategies. 
right? And get this, the, 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 the obedience of the instruction. You know, I mean, whether it's get the water pots or let down your nets for a big catch or go wash seven times in the Jordan River. I mean, they aren't even a lot of times logical instructions. But when you are in that place of abiding, and I tell you, it's not easy. And let me say this. When Jesus was with his disciples and he was training them to do the same works that he was doing, you know, the physical realm and the circumstances and the situations that we face can be very intimidating. You know, the, the whole entire Israeli army, here we had this Goliath of a giant there. You know, I mean, it, it, it can be very intimidating. I mean, the enemy is loud. He's obnoxious. I mean, physical pain is real. Uh, bill collectors calling you are real. Strife is real. Relational discord. All of these things are real. And guess what? They're loud. They're loud. But let me say this. That's really the only, that's the only thing they got. It's like, you know, the little chihuahua with a really big bark. I mean, it's a, it's a, it's, it's a, you know, like when you look at, you're like, oh, really? What are you going to do with it? Yeah. You may be barking like you're going to hurt somebody, but you know, I, I think I could get my broom and sweep you, <laughs> you know, yeah. It, it's 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 a bark. Now, granted, it's a real bark. I I, I don't mean to. I, in, in one sense, I don't mean to diminish the pain that people are going through and the pain of their circumstances. And we're called to be, you know, to cry and mourn with those who mourn. And and so it's it, there's a. It, it, this is a. It's it's not easy necessarily, in the sense that, you almost have to kind of be like a little crazy. You know, I was, re- you know, you read testimonies about things like, for example, Smith Wigglesworth would do, right? I mean, there's stories of him punching babies and kicking them off the stage. I mean, crazy stories. You know, one lady, he was trying to get out of a wheelchair, picked her up three times. I mean, she would fall and she had a tumor. You know, and this, the whole audience is like, what? what's wrong with you? You know, and he's just like, stay out of my business. Just, you know, you the, 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 the lack of, the freedom that it takes to be free from the opinions of men, to really walk in that kind of assurance, honestly, in a place where, again, it's, it's lack of self-consciousness. I mean, it really becomes a place where you are just not conscious of anything other than Christ in you. And so how do you do this, Shalise? I mean, I, I say this sometimes, and I, I feel like I, I'm like a broken record with it. But we aren't going to get there without revelation. Can I just say it? <laughs> like, I can preach this a thousand times, which I do, and plan on another thousand, and then another thousand after that. But it really has to become your own revelation. And... But it is the most important revelation. It's the most important thing. I mean, this is the most important thing. It's, it's not enough to hear the gospel. It's like that was the word from this year. It's not enough to know your identity in Christ. It's not enough to, to hear it. 
this is meant to be an experience, an, an ex, something that you experience, something that you live out of. And that is going to take a mind renewal project. <laughs> it's going to take a mind renewal project, an effort, I guess, to, to change, you know, your mind. Repentance is a change of mind, and it means that we're, we, we can agree, but we need to believe. <laughs> we don't just need to agree, we need to believe. And so this is a Holy Spirit project with each of us to get the gospel to be alive in us. And again, in my own life, you know the story. It was a meditation project for a full year. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Standing in front of the mirror till I could see Revelation Jesus. Revelation chapter 1 Jesus, which is the white wool hair Jesus and the fire eyes Jesus. And, you know, he's, he's scary Jesus. He's, he's, a, he's a resurrected king, powerful, holds the keys of hell and death in his hands until I got that that's who lives inside of me. And I'll tell you, when you show up on the scene of someone needing a miracle and you've got resurrected King Jesus with white wool hair and fiery eyes inside of you and not just inside of you, but now has become you. Let me tell you, you show up different. You show up different to the funeral home when someone has died. You show up different to the hospital when someone is sick. You show up different when there is a bit, you speak different. You speak different. You talk different. You're not stressed out about it. You know, you're, 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 you're so gone in the glory. You're just, you're, you're just gone in a place where this is no big deal. You know, Heidi Baker spends hours just in the presence of God because For her, she can't do what she's in Mozambique to do. And I think a lot of times too much of our lives is truthfully we can't handle it. Or we're going to go to somebody else who says they can handle it. But when you're out in the middle of Mozambique, I'm just thinking, you know, you got... Uh, you know, little white woman. She's like, I'm the wrong sex and I'm the wrong color. And I'm too short. Like, I am not the one that should be in this particular assignment in the natural. But, when, you know, it's the best person for the assignment because it's the least likely to succeed person in the assignment. And the least likely person to exceed means that Jesus is going to be, Jesus has to do this. And for her, it's just spending time in the presence. It's just, it's just getting full of the glory of God until it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Jesus, Jesus healing people. Jesus opening blind eyes. Jesus raising the dead. You know, I, I hear the stories of the, you know, people that have been raised by the dead from Heidi. And, you know, she's just, she'll just rock with them and love. And she just, just love resurrects the dead. And it, it's not Heidi. It's not, that is not, we don't look at Heidi and say, I mean, praise God, it is Heidi because it's Heidi in a Jesus suit. But it's, that is the power of God that has been provided by the cross. And it's not any different in Heidi Baker than it is in you. 
It's not different in the Apostle Paul than it is in you. It's not different in, in Smith Wigglesworth than it is in you or in John G. Lake or Catherine Kuhlman or any other super saint that we want to put up on the pedestal and say, they have something that I don't have. You know what they have? They have a revelation. They have a revelation. They have a revelation. They have a revelation. And I know this to be true because in my own life, it's that, this the revelation. The revelation is, has changed everything. And I want to go into the Apostle Paul's prayers here a little further down in chapter one here because here's the thing. He's not praying for revival. Oh God, and please hear me the right way. I love revival. I love the move of the Holy Spirit better than anybody. I mean, I love it. Love it. So it's not, I'm not anti-revival, right? I'm anti-praying for something that we've already got. You are a walking revival. You are a walking manifest. I mean, like you are a walking miracle. You are Jesus in skin right now. And the only reason it's not manifesting more is because you don't really believe that. Not really. Because if you really believed it, the fruit would show it. The fruit is always a function of what we believe. And so here's the Apostle Paul's prayers. Let me see if I can see this good in here. Okay, he says this. I'm going to start in verse 15. It says, because of this, since I first heard about your strong faith in the Lord Jesus Christ and your tender Lord towards tender love towards all of his devoted ones, my heart is always full and overflowing with thanks to God for you as I constantly remember you in my prayers. Now here's the prayer. I pray that the Father of glory, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, would impart to you the riches of the spirit of wisdom and the spirit of revelation to know him through your deepening intimacy with him. I pray that the light of God will illuminate the eyes of your imagination, flooding you with light until you experience the full revelation of the hope of his calling. That is the wealth of God's glorious inheritance that he finds in us, his holy ones. My prayer is that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. Then your lives will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. I'm going to say it again. Will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the explosive and mighty resurrection power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. And now he is exalted as first above every ruler 
authority, government, and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is praised, that is ever praised. Not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, his church, are his body on the earth. And that which fills him who is being filled by it. And then if you keep reading in chapter 2, it says, And his fullness fills you. Even though you were once like corpses, dead in your sins and offenses. It wasn't that long ago that you lived in the religion, customs, and values of the world. Obeying the dark ruler of the earthly realm who fills the atmosphere with his authority and works diligently in the hearts of those who are disobedient. The corruption that was in us from birth was expressed through the deeds and desires of our self-life. We lived whatever natural cravings and thoughts were in our minds. Living as rebellious children subject to God's wrath like everyone else. But God still loved us with such a great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy that even when we were dead and doomed in our sins, he united us to the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ, the exalted one, and we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now joined as one with Christ says throughout the coming ages we will be the visible display of the infinite limitless riches of his grace and kindness which was showered upon us in Jesus Christ so I could keep reading but Ephesians is such a powerful book because it's a book of victory it's a book of what Jesus has accomplished it is a book that lays out the gospel and that that tells us what has happened to us and it shares with us the right way to pray which is open our eyes. Activate a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of who you are. Revelation, revelation, revelation knowledge, revelation knowledge. Show us the Christ that is in us. Show us the exceeding resurrection power, the power that's flowing through us. Paul said it this way in Philippians chapter 3. He says, my determined purpose is to know him. And then it says, and the power of his resurrection To know, to have a revealed, intimate, expressive knowledge, a working knowledge, a a knowledge that manifests, a revelation, a knowing, an experiential knowing of God, of Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and and what happened? What happened in the grave? What happened on the cross? What happened? And how is that same power alive in me right now? And it even goes on to say in Philippians, if you keep reading it, he says that I want to show fellowship in his sufferings. And it doesn't mean that I want to get martyred. That's not what it means. It means that I want to so be conformed to the likeness of his death. In another translation, it says that. It means I want to be so co-crucified. I want to, I want to be so co-crucified with Jesus on the cross that through his death and my death, I can now begin to experience a co-resurrection. I can begin to live a resurrected, glorified life that is though I actually died and now I'm partaking with his life, the newness of life, the life that now 
holds the key of hell and death, the, the life that now has all supreme authority, the life that all things are under his faith. I want to actually be the resurrected body of Jesus Christ. We're not just the body of Christ. This what what body? What body? What body? The resurrected body. That's what body. How can sickness, death, decay? Like usually, it's like well, our bodies are going to die. Yeah, well, 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 yes, maybe. There are plenty of stories. Enoch did not die. Elijah did not die. I mean, you go and read some other stories of some saints that have lived across time, and there are many stories throughout church history of people that just were not anymore. Again, just bear with me. My point is, what is possible if we live as the resurrected body of Christ? We're not just abiding in a sweet little wine vine. You know, a sweet little cherry blossom. I don't know. We used to have these um, honeysuckles when I was growing up. We're not in, it's not a little honeysuckle vine. I mean, this is, we are the, this is the resurrected king, the, the, the king. You are the resur, I mean, like resurrection power. That's what you're carrying here. You know what? It'll resurrect anything. It'll resurrect a bank account. It'll resurrect a, a dead heart, it'll wreck, it'll resurrect it. But Shalise, I, I prayed it didn't happen. I, I've prayed it doesn't, doesn't, didn't happen. And then we make it mean, well, it must not have been the will of God. God could heal. God can heal. He just doesn't always heal. God can prosper if you tithe. God can prosper if you so God can can do these things if you X, Y, and Z. But Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished and you are my resurrected body. You are my perfected bride. I live in union with you. We are one. So how do we pray? Well, you know, when you've received something, you know what the custom response is for that, the common courtesy responses to that? It's thank you. It's thank you. Thank, thank you is an acknowledgement. It's an acknowledgement of what has been given. And, you know, even with Abraham... Here he was, impotent, old, beyond childbearing capabilities. Same with Sarah. It says he grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, giving thanks to God, just acknowledging, becoming fully persuaded that God was able to do what he has promised. I'd like to change it in in the new covenant to say we become fully persuaded that God is able to manifest what he has provided. And I'll tell you, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we are praying as a co-signer of our inheritance. We are commanding as someone who has got the, the goods. We're signing the check because it's a good check. We're saying in Jesus' name, whatever we're saying in Jesus' name, be removed. Be removed. 
Well, Shalise, I did that and it didn't work. I did that and it didn't work. I did that. And I believed, I believed, I believed. And all I can say in those instances is the same thing that Jesus said to his disciples when they attempted to cast out uh, the spirit out of the demoniac boy and they couldn't do it. I mean, there are cases when even the disciples couldn't do it. I mean, Peter attempted to walk on water. He made it a little ways, but then he sank. I mean, he was learning. The disciples were learning. That's what we are doing. We're learning. We're learning how to do it just like Jesus does it. And we're learning that from the inside out because Jesus is. we're learning to let Jesus do it still through us. We're learning to get out of the way. But we're learning. And when he said, bring the boy to me, bring the child to me, I'm just going to say what Jesus said. I'm not, this is my, not my answer. Jesus said, you faithless and perverse generation, how long must I be here with you? Now, granted, he may not be saying this to us. It may be our first time to even try. But the point is, he was looking to the disciples like they should have had a better performance. At this point in their development, here he was leaving his ministry to these guys. Like they're going to be me when I'm gone. And so he's been with them, training them, training them, training them. And he's like, at this point, he's like, he's a little frustrated. Bring the boy to me. Now afterwards, it's interesting because they did say, Jesus, why? Why did that happen? They were learning. They were, you know, debriefing. And Jesus said this. He said, That one comes out by prayer and fasting. Meaning, the physical realm is still dominating you boys. And let me tell you, this happens. It happens. I mean, if you've ever prayed to raise somebody from the dead, let me tell you, dead people are creepy. I'm just going to be honest. They're creepy. If you're going to, I mean, I remember, someday I'm going to write the book, How to Raise the Dead. And because the Lord told me I'm going to write a book called How to Raise the Dead. And the first step in raising the dead is you can't be afraid of dead people. That's the only step I got so far. I'll let you know when I get the rest. But the point is, I mean, I relate to the disciples. Don't we all? I mean, so even though he's kind of a little rebuking them, to me, it's a little bit of a relief. Because at least it means that God's not withholding something. We know God's not withholding something. He's like, bring the boy to me. I'll do it. Jesus healed every single person that came to him. And that is, that's the standard. The standard of heaven on earth is no sickness. Now, we are all in the process of renewing our minds. We're all in the process of believing. We're all in the process of revelation about this, of our authority, of what it means to be in Christ. We're all growing in this. And so, When he says by prayer and fasting, that means the situation seems more powerful than what is, than than the invisible truth. You know, when Peter was walking on the water, man, those were real waves. Those were, that was real wind. That was real water. I don't know if the dude could swim or not. I'm assuming he was a fisherman. He probably could. But I'm saying, you know, it was, a, it was a dangerous situation. And here he's breaking the rules. You don't, don't walk on water. You swim in water. You get a boat and float on water. But you don't walk on it. 
Like in, in my old, you know, and Peter, I don't know how old he was, but you know, he wasn't a little boy. So he'd had a lot of experience sinking in the water, I'm pretty sure, especially in a storm. So his logical mind, this is impossible. I shouldn't be doing this. The wind and the waves, blah, blah, blah. But Jesus told me to come. So let me just say, this is define the logic of the age, define the world system, define the laws of gravity, define physics, define the doctor's report, define all of these things that, that tell you, who are you to do that? Who are you to do that? Who do you think you are to do that? You're not God. You're not God. I mean, like there's so much that bombards us. I mean, these disciples in this little, this demoniac boy, I mean, have you ever been around a demoniac? Have you ever been around a demon when they're manifesting? Let me tell you, it looks pretty powerful. It's not powerful. The devil does all kinds of stuff to exalt himself to make it look super powerful. But it's not. But let me tell you, if you're just using your natural eyes, it's pretty creepy. It's pretty freaky. You know, and the devil's been happy to, you know, do decades of horror movies now. We got Freddy Krueger and, you know, what's the other dude? Jason. We got all these scary people, you know. I mean, we, we've been programmed with fear. Programmed to die. Programmed to be broke. We've been programmed. So what's the role of prayer and fasting? What is this role? Well, let me tell you what prayer and fasting does. It doesn't move God. Let me tell you what it moves. It moves you. It moves your physical senses into subjection to your spiritual senses. It weak, fasting weakens the material part of you, it, it, the, the, the physical part of you. It weakens that so that the spiritual part of you can ascend. It's not, and it's not a formula. It's just a part of subduing what is natural. And if you've ever fasted, I mean, I'm terrible at it. You know, most people are because it's not, it's not fun. There's nothing fun about it. But I will tell you, there is something that opens up when you do it. And it's really about disciplining yourself to be awake. It's about disciplining yourself to, to focus. And, and prayer is really just about focus. It's about your focus. It's about getting, you know, scripturally. And I was reading a... Um, let me read this guy's, um, this one guy's downloaded his book and I've, I've read him for a while, but I was just reading this other book of his. And this guy was a, um, an Indian mystic. He was from India and he lived, but let me give you his name. It's an interesting name here. It's I, the book I was reading was called visions with sad who Sundar Singh of India. And this guy, I mean, cr- crazy stories. About he, he was having open visions, I don't know, four to eight times a month. Spending lots of time in prayer and lots of time. I mean, just a real mystic, this guy. But I, I will tell you, there is... I, I, it's, it's not that we're going to... I have to be careful with this because it's like the way it's been preached a lot of times is that if you do all these spiritual disciplines, you'll have power. Like I have books on my shelf because I've read so many things over the years from so many different movements and so many different people. It's like, you know, the price of the anointing. You know, like we're paying a price with our prayer and our fasting. We're paying a price with our sacrifices to somehow get something from God. That is such a wrong theology. 
We are not earning the blessing. We're not, we're not earning the gifts of the Spirit. They're called gifts of the Spirit. What, what's happening as we, whatever sacrifice we think this is, is we're just getting out of the way. We're just, we're just tapping into what already exists. And I'll say this, when we have, we've lived naturally our whole lives for the most part. So it's a habit. And I, any habit you develop or create, how many of you know when you first start something, it is, it's hard. You know, you want to, you want to do a new habit, any habit. I mean, you want to go to the gym, you want to eat healthier, you want to read every day. You want, I mean, just really name anything new that you're trying to accomplish. And there is a resistance and that resistance is because of the way our brains were made to operate. It's not that there's something wrong with you. It's just that we are programmable. And thank God we're programmable because that's, I mean, we would be, we would be fruitcakes if we didn't have programs. We wouldn't never, we'd have to relearn to drive a car every time we got in. We'd have to, we wouldn't know how to do math. We couldn't balance our checkbooks. I mean, we couldn't go to the garage. We could do nothing if we didn't remember how to do anything. And we had to consciously think about every single thing we're doing. We wouldn't be able to be very productive. So there's nothing wrong with us that we are starting out in the place where our first response is fear. Or our first response is something other than remembering that we are one with Jesus and remembering the gospel and going back and, you know, remembering everything that Ephesians just said about the truth. But we, but we can't stay there. So yeah, we, we have this habit of abiding, this ha- it's called abiding, this habit of remembering. And as we practice, as we practice and practice, that's what the disciples were doing. They were practicing. The supernatural is taught as they practice the presence of God, as they practice, guess what? More and more and more you remember. And pretty soon, it's just a way of being. Pretty soon, you don't have to think about it. It's your first thought. It's your first reaction. And it's okay. I mean, I know Jesus was really harsh when he said that, perverse and faithless generation. That's a little harsh. But guess what? We haven't, you know, that was one-on-one training with Jesus for three years. Living with him, sleeping with him, watching every single move that the guy's making. Talk about a revelation. You know? And I, I, I doubt that we've had that kind of experience with God every day for three years. So it's not, this is not to condemn you, but it is to encourage you that you're not, God's not withholding anything from you. He gave his best when he gave Jesus Christ. He gave himself. I mean, the father and the, and the son were one. So this was, this was God himself dying for you. This was God's blood dying for, for us to experience the fullness of heaven on earth. And so that's, I really believe why the father was so adamant about this year, about learning to live out of your true identity and abiding in the vine and listening to his voice as a habit, as a way of life, as a continual way of being. And he he said, this will be your best year ever. And you know why? Because I believe that when you abide, you're fruitful. And the fruit of heaven manifesting in our life, guess what? To me, that's the best year of your life. 
More of heaven in your life. Who wants that? More of heaven in our lives in this year, 2019. More of heaven. More of the manifestation of what Jesus has accomplished. More of the manifestation of my inheritance. I want to spend it. I don't want my inheritance just to be laid up somewhere. You got like a billion dollars in the bank and you never, you never spend it. You just live homeless. It's like, no. The blood of God was shed for this. And whatever you need to do to me, Father, to renew my mind, to get this into my thick skull, well, hey, I'm signing up for that. I'm signing up for that class. Which, speaking of classes, if you're listening to this, and I've got you on fire at this point, you should pray about doing Emerge School of Transformation. Because Emerge is a school that is founded upon helping you experience your union. And I truly believe there's no other program like it in the planet that immerses you into such an intense encounter with God and an encounter with the gospel and an encounter with yourself. You know, the revelation is, yes, it's about the Lord, but, you know, as Jesus is, so are we in this world. That is, that is revolutionary. That scripture is so revolutionary. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. The concept that we are his resurrected body, the concept that... This, I mean, the, the reality of being the temple of the Holy Spirit. Man, I mean, I think we should just meditate on that for a year. I, I don't, I guess what I'm saying is, it is time for the body of Christ to be transfigured. It is time for us to see the glory of God that is inside of us. It is time for us to recognize what Jesus has accomplished for, for you, for me, I mean, personally, personally recognize it, personally have it revealed to us to get a revelation of the hope of our calling for the eyes of our understanding to be enlightened so that we can see it. It's not theory. It's invisible, but it's not theory. You can see it. When your eyes are enlightened, you can see the hope of your calling. You can see the Jesus inside of you. You can see heaven inside of you. You can see the spirit realm. You can see angels. You can see words of knowledge and cancer shrinking in people. And it's not by might. It's not by human effort. It's not. It's by the spirit of God that is working through you. You're just in tune and you're flowing. The sap is coming through you. And the fruit is being seen through your life. And so, you know, Emerge is an incredible program for that. And if you're interested, you can email us at info at You can contact us on Facebook. Let us know. I mean, there's ways to get in contact with us to let us know. If you haven't downloaded my book, it's, a, it's like a little mini Emerge experience. It's at the www.thepathfreebook.com. And I walk you through the process in the book of experiencing God and experiencing your union. I call it the Jesus sandwich where you're, he's inside you. He's surrounded you. You're just, you're like an Oreo cookie and just totally surrounded. You're the creamy, yummy stuff. And I just, um, I'm on a passionate mission here for, mo- for multiple reasons. And I, I really, I'll share this with you. You are here to do something that only the Christ in you can do. Uh, you are here to testify. And I don't mean, you know, go down to the street corner with your, you know, 
turn or burn sign. I'm saying that you are here to be a walking demonstration, a living epistle that testifies that Jesus Christ is risen, is the risen Lord. And when I say testified, it's, it's, it's obvious because he's living in you. And so, Father, I just pray tonight as we wrap up our time together, I pray that you, in fact, I, I said it, but I, I, at the beginning, I said it in the middle, and I'll say it again. I pray that you would grant a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you to every listener, Lord. I, I pray that there would be an impartation now of revelation, Lord, an impartation, Father, of even what you've taught me, of even what I've experienced, God. I just release an impartation of union with God. I release an impartation of revelation, Father, of what it means to be in Christ, what it means to have Christ in you. I, I release a revelation and an impartation of what it means to be seated in heavenly places and to be what it means, Father, to have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, in the heavenly realm, Father, what it means to be holy and blameless in your sight. Because when you look at us, you look at yourself. We are, in fact, one. And, Father, I just also pray for each and every person that you may be calling to do the Emerge School of Transformation. Lord, I thank you that they hear your instructions clearly and that you have already provided everything that's needed for them to obey. And so, Lord, I just speak a blessing over this week. I speak a blessing over every person. Lord, I pray that you would help them process the concepts that I've spoken about tonight. Lord, help them, help them work through the failures that they have personally experienced in praying for things and it not manifesting. Help them come to a place of peace about that where it doesn't mean something about you or the cross, God, but where, but it, it frankly doesn't really mean a whole lot about them either. It just means that they're learning. It just means that there's more revelation needed. It just means that their minds have been programmed wrong. And they didn't mean for them to happen. It didn't mean, they, it wasn't their fault. <laughs> They've lived under religion. They've lived in a world system. It's not their fault. They're not in trouble. You might have been a little harsh with the disciples, but we didn't, we haven't had that kind of school that they got yet. We're still trying to get it from people that are preaching nonsense. And so, Lord, I just, I break off condemnation. I break off false responsibility. I break off anything, Father, that has just kept them with a, with a concept of having a self that is apart from you. And Lord, I thank you that that's really the primary thing you're getting us to believe is that there is no us apart from you. And so I just release an impartation of that. Lord, do what you need to do. Prune what you need to prune so that we can believe. In Jesus' name, amen. And I just also want to share that if this podcast is blessing you, I just really encourage you to partner with the ministry. You can go over to shalise.com. You can obviously give a one-time donation, but you can partner. But I, I tell you, we are, we are preaching the gospel, and it is reaching to the uttermost parts of the earth. We've got listeners all over the world at this point, and I just want to encourage you uh, to just sow into this ground uh, and, and partner with what God is doing through this podcast. Uh, when you... 
When you sow seed here, you are truly reaping the harvest of people coming to the knowledge of who they are and who God is. And you're, you're reaping transformed lives. I mean, there, this, there's so much happening through Emerge and through the ministry and through really people's minds being completely transformed, <laughs> their lives being completely transformed through the, through the message that um, God has so graciously taught me and anointed me to teach. And so I just encourage you, partner, uh, sow a seed, be a part of it. Um, it's, it's, it's our ministry when you do that. So God bless you, and we'll see you next time.